Hey, this is Matt from Blue October, and you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Blues Hockey Podcast, your host is Jason. And this week, uh, Chris is not joining us, but luckily, we brought an expert to do our division preview. So once again, uh, it's that time of year, hockey season has started, so we are going to do our usual division preview. So this year, we did it differently, because as people know, me and Chris fly through these normally. We either do a big two-hour show with all the divisions, and it gets a little laborious for everybody to listen to. Or you don't even know, or it sounds like we don't know what we're talking about the other divisions because obviously there's 30 now, 32 teams. So before 31 teams. So we decided to bring an expert out of each division. So luckily, with us being part of the Hockey Podcast Network, plug there. And uh, we decided to bring in Neil from the Devil State of Mind podcast. So, Neil, thanks for joining us on the show. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, definitely looking forward to talking some Devil's hockey and just, uh, just hockey in general, which is always, uh, Something that I really enjoy talking about. Yeah, so we so Devils and obviously the Blues have a little bit of history to say the least. So yeah. obviously, um, the big one, which was the was with the elephant out of the room there. So obviously, the uh, Scott Stevens one is the big, the Brennan Shanahan signing. The, hence the Scott Stevens, uh, you know, obviously getting moved yeah. to uh, New Jersey and starting. Maybe you could fill us in there. I would say almost kind of the beginning of what your guys kind of turn into the nineties early 2000s yeah. dynasty yeah no i mean you you look at you look at that move and you know obviously i wasn't around when it happened but talking to other devils fans who were around at the time it was definitely a surprise when shanahan ended up leaving and the compensation that we got for him leaving was we got scott stevens and little did we know at that time he would become one of the most impactful people with you know in the entire history of the New Jersey Devils. And he was kind of, you know, other than Ken Danico, he was one of those first, you know, pieces that Lou Lamorello uh, implemented to building the championship uh, blueprint for the uh, late 90s and early 2000s. And uh, obviously that was a very significant move. Yeah, so uh, Blues fans look back on that and we're quite upset, but I don't know if you, have you heard the uh, trade tree from what happened here? With, no, I actually haven't. So here is here's the here's the quick version of the trade tree of how the Blues the Blues losing Scott Stevens and signing Brendan Shanahan obviously turned into the Blues winning the Stanley Cup in 2019. So it, it is it's, it's a very long process. So obviously the Blues signed Brendan Shanahan, lose Scott Stevens. So we have Shanahan on our team. Obviously he's here for a little bit. Then our good friend Mike Keenan decides to trade him for Chris Pronger. So obviously. Wind up being a very good trade for us. We'll take it. Right. So obviously it worked out very well at the time. Uh, me being a younger kid, child, very uh, devastated because Shannon was one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. So Bronger develops obviously into the Hall of Fame player he is. And we have an ownership debacle. So we have to ship out <laughs> high price contracts. And that turns into Pronger getting shipped to Edmonton for Eric Brewer, Jeff Wojtka, and Doug Lynch. I remember that trade off the top of my head because it's so awful. So, obviously, Eric Brewer becomes the captain of the Blues, hangs around for a little bit, and then eventually the Blues start their slight, their uphill battle to being relevant again, 
And Eric Brewer is traded to Tampa Bay Lightning. So Tampa Bay Lightning uh, gave us a third-round pick and um, Jeff Bukaboom's kid. So, oh, there you go. Who didn't turn into anything, but, you know, that's all right. But the third-round pick wound up being Jordan Bennington. So there you go. So that's how so that's how the Brendan Shanahan signing turned into the Blues stand, technically winning the Stanley Cup only many many years later. So hey, that's 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 uh, I guess you could say it worked out for both sides in the end. Yeah, in the end, you guys got a couple more cups than us, but we'll we'll take it. You guys got an extra cup out of it, but we'll, we'll be all right. So mm-hmm. uh, before we get into our Metro preview, though, um, I wanted to kind of dive into. Uh, your fandom for not only being a hockey fan, but obviously a Devils fan. So obviously, I think mm-hmm. you're an East Coast guy. So obviously, that's probably more reason why a Devils fan. But give me a, how you kind of got into hockey and maybe got into Devils hockey. So obviously, growing up in uh, Central New Jersey, um, you know you you get uh, you get exposed to a lot of different sports. You get exposed to basically all of them: uh, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and uh, and also hockey as well. And um, you know, it's, it's actually been kind of tough to remember when exactly I started to become a fan of hockey, but I would say I really started to, you know, watch the sport routinely and everything around 2006. So I was around uh, nine years old or so when I really started to uh, watch it. And that was when, you know, the Devils were kind of in that period where they were constantly making the playoffs not obviously winning any cups, but they were still a consistent franchise making the playoffs and having a lot of, you know, very household names. You know, we still had, you know, Martin Brodeur. We still have Patrick Elias, Jamie Langenbrunner, um, guys like that, Zach Parise as well coming up. You know, you had guys that were obviously helping this team constantly make the playoffs and compete. And from that point on, I just became a fan of the Devils and became a huge fan of hockey. And you know, once I got into high school is when I really started to watch it, you know, very, very closely and started to learn a lot about the sport and, and the culture and everything. And, and being from a state that maybe is not necessarily a well-known hockey state, I think football and probably baseball are the two biggest sports in this state. Maybe it's football, basketball, then baseball, but hockey being the fourth probably most popular sport in this state, um, you kind of develop a uh, a special bond with other people that become fans of hockey and obviously become fans of the Devils. And I went to a lot of games when I was a kid. I actually was at the game that Martin Brodeur broke Patrick Waugh's record for most career wins. Nice. Former Blues legend Martin Brodeur. Maybe yeah, we don't, talk about, we don't talk about those seven games. We, yeah. we that, that didn't happen. That it never happened. Yeah. I don't know how the Blues ended up being the team, but that's... Uh, I don't know either. That, that just out. happened. Worked out. I, I mean, it worked out for him also in his... Uh, his off the ice roles. I think he learned a lot from being in the blues organization in the front office, so to speak. And he took that over to now being here in New Jersey. So Mm -hmm. I think it kind of benefited him. Um, I always wondered if he deserved to get a ring for, uh, you know, for the blues, obviously he wasn't a part of it, but I felt like he, some Devils fans said that like, Oh, he, he created part of the blueprint for the blues winning the Stanley cup that year. I don't really know how much involvement he actually had. Um, in that time so uh that's kind of up to the blues to make that decision but uh like i said you know i saw marty Berner break records i saw him play his final game as a devil which we didn't know that was his final game as a devil but mm-hmm. uh it turned out to be the case i've seen uh i saw patrick elias play his final game i've been to some playoff games in my time i've been uh, i've been i've seen it all i've seen it all um 
and I've uh, I've experienced a lot. And obviously now being the host of this podcast over the past year and change, I've gotten to be even more involved with this team, more involved with the fan base and just more involved in the sport of hockey. And, I, and I've really loved it ever since. And I've just grown more and more as a passionate hockey fan and certainly more and more as a passionate New Jersey Devils fan. Nice. Um, so God talked about a couple of players so far. So let's do, uh, I usually do this. I usually ask people when they get first on the podcast, uh, favorite all time, New Jersey devil. Well, that's pretty much easy. I, I think I, uh, my answer is probably similar to a lot of people and that has to be Martin Bernard. I mean, mm-hmm. I know this will sound biased, but I truly believe he's the greatest goaltender to ever play the position. Right. And it's mainly because of the fact that not only does he hold most of the records, but they had to change the rules. Um, because of how good he was at playing the puck and how much he became like almost like a fourth forward. He was so good at, you know, getting the puck and making a really, really awesome pass to one of his teammates to set up a play that resulted in a goal. He obviously scored a couple of goals himself uh, and they had to change the rules to slow him down. But even after changing the rules, he still was able to win so many games and become just so successful both as a devil and also playing on the international stage and doing the things that he was able to do. So for him, obviously he got me into the sport. He got me into the devils and he was the big reason that I became a goaltender and played hockey. Uh, when I played it in high school, um, I wanted to be a lot like him. So that, that answer is very much easy. It is uh, Martin Bernard. Yeah. That's, that's, that's almost a given. I would think as I was going through players, I'm like, that's the one that sticks out, but sometimes people have a, like the, uh, you know, the blues uh, have this, fan base has this very much uh, blue collar feel. So we always latch on to these players that are like your fourth line grinders and we hold them in really high respect. And uh, when they're let go, it's like a very big tragedy. So people right. are very locked in on, uh, you know, those type of guys. So I thought maybe there was my one favorite, in there. My but, favorite St. Louis blue actually of all time is Al McKinnis. Mm-hmm. Um, for a fun fact, if anybody didn't know that I, I, I don't know what I don't know what it was, but I, I I just really liked him as a blue. I felt like he was really really good, and I think that he was just a really tremendous uh, two way defenseman. I really liked the way that he played the game. So I, I I've said to people when they've asked me like who's your favorite like you know I've had people ask me who's your favorite player on this team or this team uh, with the Blues. It's definitely Al McKinnis, one hundred percent. Yeah, that was going to be another one of my questions. So you you beat me to the punch there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but Al McKinnis I think is very underrated on for his defensive everybody remembers the slap shot that's like obviously your Mm. main thing when you think of mckinnis yes uh but when you you know that's always the big stories that you hear about about the boards breaking the glass shattering or uh or um let's see who was the goalie i always say patrick lillian but i know i'm wrong there (laughs) perrant might have been perrant rich perrant i think it was rich perrant where he hit it where he hit he shattered his cup and he had to go to the hospital that night right uh, before the pregame so i think that was a possibly uh Al McKinnis as well but yeah he's he's underrated for his defensive side of the game which he was very good at and that's one of the blues trades that if mm-hmm. we look back and try to think of a great blues trade that's more of that was a steal if we look back we got him for oh, Phil yeah. Housley and that was a massive started the blues kind of transition to the kind of powerhouse they were that unfortunately couldn't get out of the second round but the yeah. team that was very good for a long time 100%. so do you have a uh, like current is our current uh New Jersey devil that you kind of uh, really enjoy watching right now? That's a really good question because, you know, sometimes it changes per year depending on how things go and everything like that. But I would say the guy that I enjoy the most uh, watching play is probably, is probably Jesper Bratt, number 63 on the Devils, because 
Jesper Bratt was a sixth round pick um, or seventh round pick. It was one of the, it was a very late round pick and he kind of came out of nowhere in 17, 18. And he just, he has this tremendous speed being a short guy that he is and also really good goal scoring ability. Um, and I feel like that he's been one of the more underrated devils because when you look at the team, the first guys you think of are Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, um, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, Yegor Sharangovich, even considering how he came onto the scene last year. Mm-hmm. And even some of the guys that we brought in, Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Graves, Tomas Tatar. But you look at Jesper Bratt, he has consistently been on that top line for the Devils the last couple of years. He is a guy that's definitely a proven top six winger and a guy that could definitely score 25 plus goals when he gets himself going. And I think the way that he's developed over time, he is a guy that's been an absolute steal for us the last several years, considering the fact that he's a late round pick. So for me, the guy that I enjoy watching the most, especially how he's developed over time, has been Jesper Bratt. Nice. Yeah, I was. Uh, he's one guy that I kind of, when we, wa- we kind of watched the Blues play the Devils, uh, another guy that I always liked was Miles Wood. If the Blues ever got a chance to him, yes. he, to me, he seems a very um, prototypical Blues player, but, he, but I like his speed. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things the Blues, I kind of really lacked over the last handful of years. They had a heavy team, but they always had that like yeah. they had that speed element. So they could hit people, which obviously worked out for the cup run. But uh, yeah. the speed thing, they're slowly adding guys in, like Robert Thomas. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Bushnevitz is going to be a good addition. So. That was a huge pickup by the by the Blues to make that move. I was stunned that the Rangers even made the move that they did because of that. that. Yeah, yeah, and also I felt like because of the Buchnevich move, I felt like well, that means definitely Tarasenko's out the door because if they're if they're go and and apparently it's not. uh, But the the guy that I've been a fan of for years watching the St. Louis Blues has been David Perron. I've uh, just like with you saying, you know, you would love Miles Wood on the Blues. I've always, I've always wanted at least one point in my life where I saw David Perron on the Devils. I just, you know, obviously he's, he was never, he's never been considered like a big time goal scorer, but he always was like really clutch. Like whenever you needed a big time goal, whenever you needed a goal, you know, in, in those critical moments, he did that, whether it was with St. Louis or even when he played in Vegas, um, he was really, really good. And I always just really liked the way that he played the game and, you know, seeing him on the blues and, uh, you know, doing the things that he was able to do. I, I thought that was great. And, um, you know, he's been one of my, he was definitely, he's definitely one of my favorite blues players to watch now. Yeah. So well, on the podcast, we call him a fan favorite David Perron. So we <laughs> use that because of Doug Armstrong. So the year that they re-signed, God, how many times now? The third or fourth time they re-signed. So they re-signed, uh, they signed Tyler Bozak and David Perron that offseason. And they kind of didn't really, and we're, the O'Reilly thing was kind of hanging out there. Are we going to trade for right. him? Are we not going to trade for him? And it didn't happen. And then a press conference happens mid-afternoon after the deals are made. And I'm, I'm working on pulling this up because I, I know for a fact that it, that Doug Armstrong said at least four to five times fan favorite David Perron is back and like over and over and talked every time he referred to David Perron, he said fan favorite. So we always say fan favorite here and it winds up, nice. uh, he's only gotten better with age too. It seems like we saw him when he's a 19 oh, yeah. year old kid here with wearing the white skates and kind of, you know, you know, kind of like a guy that's not great for putting, you know, getting off his own penalties all the time, which still happened on occasion, but it right. seems like he is found his form uh, kind of the second, I say second half of his career, but he's still going strong and, was the leading goal scorer last year. So you could easily right. see him getting at see him getting re-signed after this year as well. So uh, he's definitely a key cog to the blues and he loves St. Louis. He's only fun fact. He's only signed a, every time he signed an NHL contract, it's been with the St. Louis blues. Every right. other time he's been traded. So our uh, obviously Vegas, the expansion draft. So obviously 
he really loves it here and it's great to see that so uh, so we got that. We kind of talked about some a little bit of devil stuff here. So now we're going to get into our division preview. And first off, we're obviously you're here. So we're going to go talk about some of the devil's moves. And I'll be honest, um, I really liked their offseason. Of, uh, obviously, I think the Islanders pretty, did pretty decent, honestly, once they announced everything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> when but, they uh, eventually decide to tell us that they made all these moves, yeah, I was waiting. I know it's the whole. He was waiting for the whole terrorist. You, you could tell it was like they're in on the Tarasenko. Obviously, they're in on that. Yeah. That was a rumor for quite some time, and he's just playing cat and mouse with Armstrong about how much room he had and whatever. But obviously, Tarasenko's still here, and hopefully, it works out. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I feel like it's a very awkward. It's got to be like an awkward locker room a little bit, right? Considering the fact that he was like. I don't, I want out. I don't want to be here. And then it got to, Oh, I'll get, I don't care where I get traded to, to, Oh, now I'm just going to focus on being here. Yeah. Even though I didn't want to be here. Like it's yeah. gotta be a little bit weird. Yeah. I think it's his gripe. Obviously he's not with his teammates, which I think is part of the thing where it's, I think it's not going to be, it's going to be a distraction. Let's not be wrong here, but I think right. with his teammates, I think they're, it's going, he has a problem with the front office and the, obviously the way the doctors handle everything. So mm-hmm. hopefully with the and the trainers. So that's the one thing that's gonna be awkward. Him and the trainers this year. If he gets hurt, that right. could be something awkward or something to watch for. But I think overall, him and the teammates, at least right now, it seems uh, and he's on an interesting line right now with Thomas and Saad. So that's been an mm. interesting combination so far. So and it seems like it's been okay in the two preseason games we've seen it so far. Mm-hmm. But um, so the Devils this offseason landed a guy that I know the Blues have are pretty set on the right side. I'm not, you know. You know, I was before we signed Colton Preco to his big deal. I was very much thinking if they could, if his back was not going to hold up, he could possibly be trade bait, or they just might not sign him just because they don't give a guy a lot of money for a long time. But they did mm-hmm. anyway. So um, Dougie Hamilton is yeah. one of those guys that, uh, and I'll be honest, New Jersey did not seem like it was a place on anybody's radar until right before everything hit, and. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, is New Jersey's front runner, and he's in New Jersey. So, right. what does Dougie Hamilton do to this uh, Devils defense? That obviously, it's been tough going the last nine years. You guys have won right. the playoffs once in the last nine seasons, uh, yep. but it seems like he could be a transformative guy. So, what what does he do to this for this defense and for this team? Well, right off the bat, he makes our defense just uh, you know a lot better. I mean, we we can't sugarcoat it that. The defense the last couple of years, especially last year, has been a tire fire. I mean, it's really been bad. We've struggled mightily with regards to just giving support to our goaltenders. Uh, we lack, we've been lacking guys that just can block shots and, you know, make some plays with their stick handling ability and, and just creating pressure and also just being physical. You look at last year, we just had all young guys. We really didn't have a lot of guys that were very big and very physical. The three guys that stood out, physicality-wise, were Miles Wood, Nate Bastion, and Michael McLeod. And, you know, obviously Bastion moved on to Seattle. We still have McLeod and Miles Wood, but we needed to add more. And Dougie Hamilton being six foot, six foot six, six foot seven, being the massive giant that he is, you know, well over 200 pounds and a guy that not only can do so well on the offensive side, but certainly be very, very good, especially analytically speaking, on the defensive side, this was a no-brainer. 
And I talked about it on the podcast that, look, Tom Fitzgerald had a checklist of what he wanted this offseason with regards to free agency trades, whatever the way he wanted to get it done. This is what he had to do. And he needed to get a number one defenseman, a guy that would be the leader of the defense. And he knew he wanted Dougie Hamilton. And he made sure he did everything possible to convince Dougie that the Devils were the right place for him. And you look at the offer that Carolina gave him. It just wasn't going to be the same that he was going to get with the Devils. And Dougie Hamilton knows this as well as anybody that you usually want to take the best deal that you can possibly get, even if it's not from the team that you specifically want. I can't speak for Dougie to say that he 100% want to be a New Jersey Devil. Was it more just that he just took the best offer and ran with it? Um, I think that he looked at what the Devils were doing and looked at the potential that they have and the money that he could be making. And I think that's why he chose New Jersey. And he certainly upgrades our defense. He improves our power play, helps our penalty kill. He just fits every single box that we needed. He's not the only guy. Obviously, we also got Ryan Graves in a trade, which is phenomenal. But getting Dougie Hamilton was that big statement move that we had to make to tell not only the fan base, but also the rest of the NHL, hey, we're no longer in that rebuilding phase. It's time where we actually start having meaningful games in March and April, trying to make the playoffs and eventually becoming a Stanley Cup contender. So for Dougie Hamilton coming here, it's a massive um, culture, you know, culture move. It's a massive talent move and it just fills all of the boxes that we've needed to fill on the defensive side yeah i think that was a definitely a thing that to the rest of obviously players are nhl so you obviously got the top free agent so hopefully that shows other free agents down the line that you get you know that it is an attractive place to be and after that's all. what and that's kind of one of the things that dougie hamilton said as well is that he he says that hopefully with him coming and, and everything that's going on, that they can make New Jersey a very desirable place. Because when Lou Lamorello was the general manager for as long as he was in New Jersey, the best thing that he was able to do was convince a lot of people that New Jersey was a really good place to come and play. And you look at a lot of the moves that he made, even the ones that didn't work out. We've had guys like Dave Anderchuk and Dougie Gilmore and guys like that come to New Jersey. He convinced Ilya Kovalchuk to sign an illegal 13-year deal worth, I don't even remember how much money it was, but it cost us draft picks. I mean, he convinced guys, star players, to come here and want to not only play in New Jersey, but play a long time. You look at some of the, the legends of this team. Scott Stevens, uh, Ken Danico, Scott Niedemeyer, Marty Brodeur, Patrick Eliash, uh, Sergey Breland. These guys played, you know, for the most part, their entire careers in New Jersey. And they played here for a very long time, even in the years that they weren't winning cups and they were struggling. They stayed here and built, you know, a life here and built uh, and built homes here and build families here. And that's what Tom Fitzgerald is trying to do now. He's trying to get it back to the point where people say, New Jersey's a place that I want to go play. And I think that that's why, I think that was one of the reasons why he was able to, you know, I, I think honestly, that's why Tarasenko was okay. If he ended up getting traded Devils, I think he was okay with coming here because I think he understood where the Devils were going. Um, but I, I will speak from the Devils perspective that I think the injury history um, was just something that the Devils were not wild about, you know, playing 35 games in the last two years uh, is something that, you know, makes it a little uneasy, especially with $7 million for the next two years, which the Devils can obviously afford with no problems. 
It was just, did they really 100% want to do it? Did they not? Um, but when you look at it from this perspective, Dougie Hamilton comes here to change the narrative of the Devils organization and says, oh, you know what? If a big name player like Dougie Hamilton, who could very well win the Norris Trophy, wants to play in New Jersey, that makes New Jersey a more interesting place. But it's now about going on the ice and proving that New Jersey's a team on the rise and that it's time for this team to start getting into the playoffs and making noise. That way you can convince other pro high profile players down the road to give New Jersey an opportunity. Yeah. So obviously that is the big free agent splash, obviously is Dougie Hamilton, but you mentioned yeah. it very briefly. And I think the, the underrated move, or at least the maybe not look, maybe not the sexy move by the team uh, Ryan Graves is a guy who obviously the blues fans know very well with his run-ins uh, in Colorado. And he's definitely right. a guy who is not going to give you a ton of points or whatever. Obviously I've seen anybody playing at the avalanche is going to have a kind of inflated point number at this point, but mm -hmm. obviously he is more defensive shot blocker type of guy. And I think he's one of those guys during the blues four game uh, sweep loss that they had in the playoffs last year. Right. He's one of those guys that stood out as blocking shots a lot to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that move for a couple of draft picks was one of the, one of the better moves that they made to shore up the defense. I know there was, there was rumblings out there of uh, possibly you guys being interested in you need some more left-handed defensemen. And obviously Ryan Graves was the trade that happened, but yeah. I know Vince Dunn was out there before, you know, obviously we lost him to to uh, San Vegas, right. to Seattle. But uh, I know that was kind of dangled out there, but we don't, I don't know how serious that was. But that would have – I was that's why, that's why I kind of paid attention to Miles Wood. I'm like, hey, if you can somehow get Vince Dunn and throw in something else mm -hmm. that they may want for uh, Miles Wood, that's a guy that the Blues the left hand, the Blues left wing side was wiped out this offseason. Like, right. it is rebuilt from scratch right now. They built, mm -hmm. obviously, moving Bushnevitz in and, obviously, Saad with Schwartz yeah. leaving. And uh, so, obviously, it's – you know, a couple of good moves there for Zach Sanford getting moved as well. Yeah. So, um, but Ryan Graves, I think is your very much an underrated move. So, so how does he help? Obviously Hamilton is going to be the most talked about move, but right. is Graves going to be the guy that kind of maybe locks his defense down and cuts down the uh, goals against it? Well, let me go back to Vince Dunn really quick. Cause I'm glad you brought that up. The, the thing about it is that the devils were very much in talks with St. Louis about Vince Dunn um, from a lot of the, from a lot of the sources that I have and a lot of the people that I was, I was able to talk to, the Devils were very much one of those teams that was very high on acquiring Vince Dunn. I think it really kind of came down to St. Louis was asking for too much and the Devils kind of backed off. And look, the Devil, I've said before, the Devils can obviously afford to make a move like that. But Tom Fitzgerald is not going to make a move just to make a move. He's going to make a move that he knows is going to be beneficial to his team. And I think giving up a guy like Miles Wood, and he very well could have been one of those guys that St. Louis called about. I just don't think Fitzgerald wanted to make that. So he saw the opportunity with Ryan Graves, knowing that the um, the Avalanche were in a difficult spot. They didn't want to leave Ryan Graves unprotected in the expansion draft because they know that Seattle was probably going to take him. Uh, they decided to make a move now to get some value for me getting a uh, mid-round pick and getting a, a young prospect like Mikhail Maltsev, who I still think could very well be a solid NHL player for Colorado being on that bottom six, being a physical player, which could definitely help their team with how well they are and how stacked they are. I think it worked out for both teams. And I know from, from talking with Avs fans, they really didn't want to see this guy leave, but they had no choice, but to move on from him one way or the other. Uh, 
What Ryan Graves brings more than anything else is his incredible ability, as you mentioned, Jason, his incredible ability to block shots. I talked about it before um, when we talked about, you know, the devil's defense as a whole, we lack blocking shots and getting a guy like Dougie Hamilton and getting a guy certainly like Ryan Graves helps us get to the point where we have bigger bodies up front that can block shots and really just play better defense. And Ryan Graves also being six foot, I think he's six foot five, six foot six. He's very tall, very big himself. I mean, he's just able to create a lot of traffic in front where he can block a lot of shots. And you look at it, you know, he played uh, 149 games with the Avalanche in his career, 14 goals, 32 assists. But the thing that, that stands out the most is his plus minus of plus 59. This guy knows how to create offense from defense by blocking shots, by being really good with his stick handling ability and setting up other guys. The plus 59 is the thing that stands out to, to a lot of people the most and says, wow, this guy has the ability to generate a lot of offense. And it wasn't just about obviously upgrading the defense from a defensive perspective. It was also about having guys who also have offensive capabilities that can upgrade the offense because we need the scoring help as well. And Ryan Graves brings that. And here's the thing for Graves. Graves was considered a top four defenseman in Colorado, but I don't think he was ever considered to be maybe on that top defensive pairing. I think the way Devon Tapes has developed, I think that uh, Colorado looked at Devon Tapes long-term as their long-term left side number one defenseman. And they do have some solid defense. It's not like they completely, you know, lost a huge, um, you know, major piece of their defense. They're still very good defensively, but Graves certainly helped in that regard. And they got him from the Rangers for basically nothing. So that worked out for them. Um, but Graves comes in knowing that he's probably going to be our number one left shooting defenseman. He's going to get top four minutes, even more minutes than he got before. And this is his opportunity to really develop himself, pairing with arguably a guy that could very well win a Norris Trophy himself and Dougie Hamilton. Um, I think that pairing is going to be so much fun and so exciting to watch, you know, considering what they've been able to do already in preseason and what they can potentially do with their skill set. So Graves brings a little bit more of a defensive minded type player who can really block shots and also just be able to bang the body and be very, very physical. Yeah. So I, I think the defense gets a little more solidified with those two moves. Um, so the offense, it seemed like there wasn't too many. The big move was obviously uh, Tomas Tatar, who is, uh, has some injury concerns the last couple of years and done, did some good stuff in Montreal and kind of got moved down to Vegas. Didn't play much in Vegas for whatever reason. Um, so what, what about the forward group? You guys, I think it's more of you guys have a very solid kind of core. Obviously the Jack mm -hmm. Hughes thing worked out, uh, yep. drafted his brother this off season. So you obviously got yep. two of the three Hughes brothers. So not too bad there. And it looks like you're kind of working towards this younger core, which I think is the way to go. Obviously NHL nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, no, there's no longer buying your way into an NHL, uh, contention i mean you can add a right. piece or two to get your guys above the hump but which i think is sort of where your team is going with dougie hamilton move but i think the core there with Heisher and hughes so what about this forward group uh stands obviously just tataro is your big kind of forward move and for a mm -hmm. free agency so i don't consider that massive move yeah. is it more focused on development now for the forward group uh considering jack mm -hmm. hughes maybe getting ready to take the next step. Cause obviously the rookie year right. campaign didn't go exactly the way a lot of people thought it would. And it seems like mm -hmm. he slowly was getting better. So let's talk about this forward group and who you see kind of 
starting to develop out of this group. Obviously, he's sure starting to come into his own, but do you see Jack yeah. Hughes or is there somebody else that stands out of this forward group? So I would say this about the forward group. Um, last year, we proved that there's a lot of talent in the forward group. Uh, it just needs help. It just needs more support, more goal support. And whether that comes from, obviously, some of the young talent that we have in our system, guys like Dawson Mercer and Alexander Holtz, or, you know, trading for a guy or signing a guy like Tomas Tatar, that's what um, Tom Fitzgerald wanted to do because he said it very clearly that this team runs through Nico Kishier, Jack Hughes, Ty Smith, and Mackenzie Blackwood. Those are our four. That's the core four that we have. We have a lot of young talent, but those are the four main guys. And uh, Tom Fitzgerald wanted to up the scoring to help both Nico and especially Jack Hughes, you know, take that next step uh, in their careers, particularly Jack Hughes, because we know that he is very close to breaking out as a, as a star player in this league. And adding a guy like Tomas Tatar is really good because here's the thing. The big reason why Tatar was available so late in free agency was quite frankly because nobody could figure out why he was left, why he was left off of the playoff roster uh, for the Montreal Canadiens this past year. Nobody could really figure it out because it wasn't like he wasn't playing well. He was certainly playing well, but he sat the bench for so long, particularly in the cup final. And I couldn't figure out why. And the devils, you got to call it like it is. The devils were calling the blues um, about Tarasenko literally every day. I mean, the amount of rumors that we heard over those coming weeks about the Devils were definitely one of the teams talking to St. Louis about Tarasenko. I think that Fitzgerald wanted to make a move originally for Tarasenko, but I think the longer that it went and the more that St. Louis was trying to get a lot of value for, for a guy like Tarasenko, who, look, if this was two years ago, Tarasenko, Obviously, the Devils would have been more okay with making the move like that. But because of the injury history and because of the $7 million for the next two years and not knowing what type of percentage we're going to get from Tarasenko, that was kind of it. And again, he did have a no trade clause. And there was still the possibility that maybe he really didn't want to come to New Jersey. So that kind of was the end of the conversation right there. It was like when the Devils were actually trying to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury this past offseason. Fleury just didn't want to come to New Jersey. So that was the end of the conversation. They weren't going to get past that step if Fleury just didn't want to go there. And the same thing with Tarasenko. So you saw that Tatar was there. Um, the rumor was that Tatar was looking for a longer-term deal. Um, and the Devils were not necessarily willing to give it, given that. So what they did instead, they just gave him a higher average annual value from a financial perspective. And I think that's what convinced Tatar to come here. And I think that this is a proven deal for him to prove to the rest of the league, including the Devils, that he is still a top six guy and a guy that can very well score 25 goals and be an offensive firepower asset to a young player like Hughes or a young guy like Keisher. So he just adds on to the offense. He just upgrades our offense, gets us some more scoring, gets us a little bit better on the power play. That's what we're looking for. But as far as the forward group as a, as a whole, the main focus is simply what we've seen in the preseason, scoring a lot more, scoring three, four, five times a game if you can, because we know the defense is going to get better. If we can get our offense rolling as well and improve that, and we're averaging three, four, five goals a game, we're going to be winning a lot of games this season, and we're going to be, become a very difficult team to face off against game in and game out. So that's really where it is. And then you look at, like I said, young guys like Dawson Mercer and Alexander Holtz, who I think both of those guys will definitely come out of training camp and be on the opening day roster. 
We're just adding more youth. We're adding more talent. We're adding more goal scoring ability. And not only are we adding it to the top six, but we're adding it to the bottom six to make our entire four lines that much more deep as a team. So that's kind of the thing that we're looking for. And the thing you should expect from the Devils is to be a team that can definitely finish a lot more and score a lot more. Yeah, so it looks like they're uh, developing the four group into pretty pretty solid all around group with your high end scores, your uh, you know checking for your your checking centers. Obviously, you can score as well. He show mm-hmm. he's your it may not the best comparison Blues. I know Blues fans may jump on me for this, but he's your could be kind of a guy like eventually like a Ryan O'Reilly, a guy who is very good defensively, but also can start, definitely put the start putting the puck in the net. Seems like he started to come in his own the last couple of years. He's, he's more of a Patrice Bergeron type of guy. I've said it before that like he could be a Selkie trophy winner if he develops the right way, because yeah. he's way more of a two-way centerman. Uh, Jack Hughes is more of the scoring guy and Nico's more of the guy that can, you know, dish out the puck. He could score himself, but dish out the puck and uh, also be good on the defensive side. Yeah. So that's definitely a very good one, two combo. Hopefully it'll work out for the devils in the future. So Got kind of a little bit of the devil's background there. So we're just going to go some of the, over the, some of the other teams. Like I said, we're not going to go super in-depth on these, but kind of give me sure. a little background on how you, what you think of these teams since you see these teams quite mm-hmm. a bit more than the, than the Blues do. So first off, we'll talk about our old friend Yarmo Kekalainen and his Columbus Blue Jackets. So yeah. seems like another offseason, another star player gone. Unfortunately, it seems like that's kind of the growing trend in Columbus. Um, yeah. Say what you want. I know the fan base up there is a solid fan base, which is really sad to see. Um, so this year, obviously, Seth Jones is the guy who is out. Seth Jones. Sorry. That's why I was doing. Oh, I have to say that every time I say his name. Yes, Seth, so, Jones, yeah. Seth Jones leaves and they get Adam Bonequist and a couple of you know high draft picks. Right. Uh, some interesting trades along the way. Obviously, Voracek for Atkins, uh, at- Voracek Atkinson. and Atkinson out. Yeah. Um you know, still got a lot of cap space, but he's also brought in guys like Max Domi. Um, he's, as you know, they were going to move one of the goalies, then I, on the unfortunate passing of their uh, TV one, links, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the passing of him, I think, kind of put a kink in X. I think they kind of thought he was be the backup this year, and they yeah. were going to keep either uh, Elvis or uh, Korpisalov in there. And obviously, they decided to stick with those two this year, so that'll be interesting yeah, they, to yep. see. Because they're both on – I know the Merzlikens just signed this, so it seems like that's the yep. long-term solution. Yep. So what about Columbus? Obviously, they're really low amount of uh, goals last year. They did a lot of goals in. So not a really good recipe for success. But yep. what about Columbus do you see or like to get them back to the prominence where they finally won a couple rounds, you know, a couple years ago? Then Like, are they – you see them as a team that's – Mm-hmm. Going to hang around the bottom for a couple of years and start a kind of a minor rebuild, or do you think this is a team that might surprise people? I think this is a team that's definitely deciding that they want to rebuild. I think that that's kind of the uh, I think that's what um, the general manager has decided to do. I mean, they obviously still have Patrick Line, they signed him to a one year deal, which is another prove a deal for him to once again prove that he deserves to be paid top dollar for a guy that can score 45 plus goals. Um, and everything. And now he'll have a full year in Columbus, which is good for him. Um, you know, you, you gave up Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, you moved on from Seth Jones. You've moved on from Matt Duchesne, Sergei Bobrovsky, Artemi Panarin. I mean, you've had a lot of talent. I mean, if you think about the, if you could just put together all of those guys that they had um, and put them back on this team, you're talking about a team that not only could compete to win a division championship, but a team that could certainly be a Stanley cup contender. Cause it just had that much talent. 
around them. And it's unfortunate when you're a team, a small market team where it's not always easy to uh, spend your money willy-nilly, especially when you've developed that much talent. And that's the unfortunate part of this business. Um, I look at Columbus as a team that's definitely rebuilding, a team that, uh, you know, can win some games here and there. But I think that they're a team that's going to be towards the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. I can't see them being a team that could make the playoffs. Um, their goaltending is solid. Their defense is definitely suspect. I feel like offensively they can score with guys like Jack Roslovic, Patrick Line, guys like that. But I think overall, also with a new head coach who got rid of John Tortorella, I just have a tough time seeing St. Louis being a team that could make the playoffs. So I would say they're going to finish towards the bottom of the Metropolitan Division this year. Yeah, so Columbus not really looking, uh, like I said, I say rebuild, but uh, you can turn things around to get yourself at least relevant quickly in the NHL, but getting your back to being an elite team does take time, and I think that's – Yarmo is very good at the drafting, as the Blues fans know. He uh, obviously left us with two gems and Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko years ago. <laughs> um, so, obviously, he's done a very good job finding Lake. Obviously, Colton Pareko was a third-round pick that he found. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of guys that he found really late. So, he – I still and JD coming back, I think is an interesting thing that they have going on yeah. there. So I think Columbus is, like I said, uh, it'd be an interesting year for them to say the least. But they'll uh, be fine. I think long term they'll be fine. I think that they're going to build a very good team moving forward. They, I mean, they still have Zach Marinsky as well. As well, who's um, actually signed a deal too. So right, he's actually, actually for a signed long time. a major deal. And honestly, that was one of actually the better moves because they signed him for only his good years. They really just gave him a contract based off of the years that they know he'll probably be. Uh, their top defenseman. And then like the contract will end right around when he's going to start going on the decline. So that kind of worked out for them. I just think that long-term give the, give them, uh, give them some time and they'll be fine. I they, They're still a very, they're still a very, uh, uh, they're going to be a competitive team. I just, with how deep this division is, I think they're going to finish towards the bottom of this division. Yeah. So one of the more active teams this offseason who wanted to remake their team after a very disappointing year was the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, worst league, worst defense, 201 goals, uh, against last just shocking year. considering how bad the devil's defense was this year. Yeah. So Carter, Carter Hart did not have a great year, uh, to say the no, least. That was a good portion of what happened. So almost a four goals against in a 877 save percentage. That's a, that's 1980s numbers, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's not, that's not in the 2021 year, a good save percentage. So, so bringing competition instead of Brian Elliott, our old friend, Brian Elliott, Bring Martin Jones, who had his own struggles the last couple of years. So it's very interesting what they did there after his buyout. It was a really, really weird signing. I didn't think that they would bring in Martin Jones when they had other options. And that was early. Martin Jones was one of their first, one of the first guys to go in the goalie carousel exactly. because the Blues, exactly. Blues fans were kind of thinking, you know, will the Blues replace Billy Huso, who had a very suspect year? Uh, but he's very young at the same time as his first year. Mm-hmm. So they're giving him one more year, it looks like. But Philadelphia decides to go all in on some trades. So they obviously sh- ship off uh, Shane Gospier, goes to Arizona for literally nothing just to get rid of him with some picks. Uh, they bring Keith Yandel, who was bought out in Florida. They trade for Ryan Ellis, uh, Rasmus for Stalinen, and obviously they move Voracek and they bring in Atkinson. So they bring in a lot of different guys to remake this team really quickly, yeah. which obviously – the Blues fans remember when they brought a bunch of new faces in for the Stanley Cup thing. Obviously, things worked out, but it was rough going the first part of the year, and right. it was tough. I mean, by to... January, you were in dead last in the NHL. Yeah, so <laughs> it was, it was, and they didn't look, and they looked out of sorts. Like it didn't look great. Right. You bring in 
Rube didn't really help for a while. But so Flyers have a crap ton of new guys, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think all these moves are going to add up to the Flyers getting back into the playoffs possibly? Or is Chuck Fletcher just basically trying to save his job by making a bunch of moves and then passing off the, his problems onto another GM down the line? You know, it's really tough because you just don't know exactly how chemistry is going to work between the guys. They, I mean, it's one thing to make like one or two moves here and there to kind of bolster your team. It's another when you've made like five, six, seven plus moves and you're like completely reshaping the way that your team is. Um, I felt like personally the Flyers kind of panicked uh, this offseason. I think that they looked at how bad the defense was and how bad Carter Hart was. And they looked at it and they said, oh, my God, we got to do something or we're going to really suck in the future. Um, so, they, you know, they got Kim Atkinson, which is honestly not that bad of a move. Kim Atkinson's a good player. But to move on from Boracek, I really just don't I, – I don't think that they're better by losing Boracek. Let me put it that way. I think they were better off keeping him, but I know that contract-wise, the Flyers and Voracek were not necessarily on the same page. As far as the defense is concerned, the fact that they actually – acquire they had to give up assets for Rasmus Ristolainen um job well done by Kevin Adams to get mm-hmm. pretty good value for Ristolainen who analytically speaking is one of the worst defensemen in the NHL he's very very bad Keith right. Yandel's a, Keith Yandel's good Keith Yandel's still good even at his age he's still good um I think it's a shame that the that the Panthers were trying to screw with his uh his Ironman streak I really thought that was uncalled for I mean, he was playing fine with, with Florida. It wasn't like he was bad. Um, and then as far as goaltending, I think Carter Hart will bounce back fine. I, I think last year was a fluke, honestly. I really don't think he's going to have as bad of a year as he did last year. But if you mean to t- but if you think that Martin Jones is a better backup than Brian Elliott, I would very much disagree. Even Martin Jones was solid when he first got to San Jose and especially in 29, especially 2016, when they went to the cup final and even in 2019, when he didn't have that good of a year, but they still went all the way to the conference finals Mm -hmm. and he looked rocky after game three against St. Louis. I felt like um, St. Louis figured him out and they were able to get it right with him. But after that, he just never got back to where he was and I just don't think that Martin Jones is a guy that you could really be okay with as your backup and like you said that was early on in free agency they could have gotten someone else they didn't they weren't really struggling cap wise they could have gone out and gotten Jonathan Bernier they could have gone out and even gotten a guy like James Reimer which honestly would have been a better move or Peter Morazic or somebody like that I I just feel like goaltending wise the Flyers for so many years, for like the last 25 years, the biggest problem they've always had is goaltending. And I feel like that's still the same problem even now, that they do have a number one goaltender, but they don't have that 1B goaltender, that, that really solid backup. Martin Jones, to me, is not that guy. So I don't, I, I'm worried that the Flyers are going to really struggle because of the lack of goaltending support behind uh, Carter Hart. For me, this is a team that I think will finish probably at best in fifth place in the division. I think that they will make a run, but I don't think that this is a team that is is a playoff caliber team. I think that they just miss out by maybe a couple of points. So we'll we'll, we'll get so so we'll talk about another team that's been a perennial, uh, let's say, uh, national TV favorite. 
a very popular team with two very a lot of popular players and starting their core is finally getting to the age where you're starting to think that this team might need to start moving on a different direction. And it doesn't seem like they're really, they're trying to stick with this core as long as possible. So the Pittsburgh Penguins right. didn't do much in the off season. Uh, but the only one problem is they're going to start the season off with, without their two best players and Sidney Crosby right. and Benny Malkin. There we go. And um, they really do much. I mean, they lost, they basically wow. traded for Jared McCann and then uh, lost him. All right, excuse me, that was the other way. I traded him to they, uh, Toronto. They to keep, yeah, they 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 wanted to keep. Uh, well, no, it was more. Um, what was it? Uh, Toronto wanted to keep Alex Kerfoot. Yeah. So they made a deal for McCann, uh, to for get McCann. Jared McCann, and then just use Jared McCann uh, as, as exposure. So that's kind of how it went. So interesting. So they lose basically Jared McCann, and pretty much just don't bring bring in some fourth line guys that we don't really need to go over. So. Is this the beginning of the end of the Pittsburgh Penguin dynasty? It's tough because obviously you still have Sidney Crosby and Malkin, but they obviously have, uh, they are aging to say the least. Um, and they're both, like you said, they're both starting the season on the IR. I do believe that this is the beginning of the end of that run for the Penguins. And it was a long one. I mean, you got to give them credit where credit is due. Over well over a decade of dominance, a team that went to the cup final four times and won three Stanley Cups, um, and back to back not too long ago. Um, but at some point, father time does catch up to, to teams, uh, to older teams. And I think that the Penguins, along with some of the other teams that we'll talk about, are on the decline, are on the you know, this is kind of the end of that era. And we're moving into this now new era in the Metropolitan Division. I think that the Penguins are trying to maybe have one last hurrah with Malkin and Crosby in that core to try to win something, to make a run at the Cup. But I do believe that this is the beginning of the end. We'll see what happens with their goaltending with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. I do believe that DeSmith is, is, should be the number one goaltender. I think Jari needs to regain that confidence, regain that belief in himself, and also that confidence from the fan base and coaching staff. Um, this is a Penguins team that I still believe, though, because of how well they're coached, I still think this is the team that can make the playoffs. But losing Tanev was a big loss, in my opinion. I think that was a really big loss. Um, but I, as long as Malkin and Crosby are still playing and are healthy, I don't count out the Penguins. So I think that this is the beginning of the end. Um, I think at worst, they're a team that finishes in fifth or sixth place. At best, they finish like in third. Yeah, so it's be a, I think it's like you said too, the beginning of the end, because just like eventually guys age out um, and things just fall apart. And when especially when you spend so long spending high draft picks to bring in guys for the, a run and the runs have been working out for them, unfortunately, and you're losing first rounder after first rounder after first rounder right. for, I say nothing, nothing, but you're not winning the cup. So obviously you got your two right. cups and you, but you've had quite a run with those two guys and Malcolm's a free agent after this year. So it'd be interesting what happens there, but uh, I think he go. most likely stays in Pittsburgh. I don't, if he, and if not, I think he'll end up going back to Russia. It might be a high possibility. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there, but we'll talk about their, uh, one of their, their big nemesis, or at least the national broadcast will have us believe the Washington capitals. Uh, that would be Alex Ovechkin signs a big deal to keep him until he's in his 40s, it looks like. So he is no show, no signs of slowing down right now. Um, but once again, this is another team that I say a step just behind the Pittsburgh Penguins in that core talk. Yeah. Where you have Kadetsov, who was talked about getting traded. I know a lot of 
Blues fans early on were talking about Knetsov or Tarasenko, which was a weirdly weird trade. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they still got Backstrom, obviously our good friend TJ Oshie, uh, John Carlson. And obviously they kept their – they lost one of their goalies in the expansion draft then quickly got him back for a draft pick. So they really lose yeah, him in the expansion they, draft. So they're keeping they – they left, re-signed uh, their goalie. Vitenic, yeah, they left Vitenic. Vitenic unprotected yeah. and they just got him back for nothing. So Yeah, so they, when they re-signed uh, – uh, Igor, uh, help me out here, Samsonov. There we oh, go. Yeah, they say Ilya Samsonov. Ilya yep. Samsonov. I, see. I always get him and Igor, uh, the, and also Shisterkin. Yeah, yeah. to mixed up all the time. But yeah, so they're both locked. They're, they're locked in. So the goaltending. So basically, once again, another team that really didn't make too many moves. They lost some guys. Uh, Chara, obviously gone. Dylan's gone. Mm-hmm. But uh, another team that's kind of like the Penguins to a degree, mm-hmm. I think, at least are may. But do you think uh, Washington is kind of like, I said, I want to say mirror image of Pittsburgh, but I think they're like like a cousin like they're like they're right there like they're similar like they have that core that's yeah. aging along and they're starting to get to the yeah. point where the loose fans know as well where eventually you keep failing in the playoffs and then eventually it's time to shake up the core so when we moved oshi to washington so right. do you see washington along the same lines it's kind of like uh pittsburgh to a degree or do they still got some runs left in them because obviously ovechkin ain't slowing down as of right now I still think that they have another run or two left in them. Honestly, I think that their clock is a little bit behind Pittsburgh's because, yes, you look at Washington, they have a pretty old core with Ovechkin, Kuznetsov to a lesser extent, Nicholas Backstrom, who's going to start the season in IR. You have Tom Wilson. um, And you obviously, you gave up Jakob Verona and you got Anthony Mantha, which honestly I thought was not a bad move except the fact that you had to give up Verona, which was kind of like crazy because Verona was playing so well last season that I was like, well, why, why are you giving him up? Like, why are we like, I understand Anthony Manthon's a good player, but still, why are you giving up Jakob Verona? Uh, the goaltending situation actually is pretty good. I think Samsonov is ready to be that number one. Vanacek is a good number two. So I think interestingly enough, I think from the back end, um, Washington is uh, a little bit better. Um, I do worry about their defense just from a defensive core, losing, obviously Char, losing Dylan, the big question marks are, other than John Carlson, what do they have that's going to be consistently good? And that, that could be their downfall. Um, but I still believe that this team is going to be still one of the top teams in the Metropolitan Division. And I think that Ovechkin is going to obviously have another really great season because that's just who he is. He's just been that good, that consistent. Um I, I, and also having Peter Laviolette, he knows that he can get the best out of even some guys that are not as talented. I think that Washington definitely makes the playoffs. I think that they can make a run at winning the division. Do I think, are they a cup contending team? Not really, in my opinion. I think that window has shut, but they can definitely make a run at it. I, so I think that their clock is going to be expiring in the next two, three years. Um, but you know, I could be wrong. This could be the beginning of the end, but I think they're a little bit further away than Pittsburgh is. Yeah. So, so we talked about Washington and obviously one of the, and their, I guess, new nemesis you want to talk about. So New York mm-hmm. Rangers, obviously the Rangers spent their off season dealing with Tom Wilson, even though Tom Wilson. Uh, so one game decided to shape a whole team, which is very interesting move by the upper management of uh New York Rangers, obviously, uh, yeah, basically the, basically, obviously, obviously the owner outside of that, it seems like everybody else was fine. Like David Quinn, I thought was doing just fine as a job, really getting that team. Obviously the defense wasn't fantastic, but man, they were fun to watch. I'll say that much, but they were getting there. 
So I spent the offseason. The only really good move I get I can say they made is I think Gerard Gallant, who I love. Uh, that was the best move they made. <laughs> uh, obviously, they moved uh, Chris Drury into the GM spot, and then he decided to start changing up his uh, forward group. Obviously, the Blues got Pavel Bushnevitz for uh, Sammy Blay in a draft pick. Obviously, Sammy Blay is – Blues fans are well aware of him and really like Sammy Blay, but at the end of the day, Sammy Blay is a guy who's on your bottom six and fill up in your top six on a pinch for a little bit. It was a bad move by the Rangers, in my opinion, to, and, to, and lead, to get rid of Bushnevich. Yeah, Bushnevich. And obviously, you bring in Ryan Reeves. Uh, and then after that, you may give a guy who I really loved. I mean, the Blue, I really wanted them to go for this guy after he was with the Lightning. It was a Barclay uh, Goudreau. I really liked really him. I was really big I fan. I don't like of that contract. I hate that contract. That literally, I, I saw that I contract. That is, that is a guy who is in your top six that you can score 20 plus goals, whatever, not a guy who's going to be your penalty killer, maybe pot 10 goals and it's going to stir things up. That's not that, but that's all they signed. That, that ain't it. Right. Obviously they got yeah. some guys, they got all the solid guys. Like I love the, the way the defense is shaping up. Adam Fox turned into a stud, obviously. Um, I think Truba is much is a solid uh, back there. Keandre Miller, I think is going to be a great player. They got some guys up front, but they got the number one yep. overall pickup years, a Lafreniere. Uh, Kako, Javinidad, Panarin signed the massive deal. So you got guys yeah. up. You got a lot of – I think their thing was they thought they had too much scoring and not enough grit. So they tried to do the mm-hmm. grit, and I think they overdid it. Uh, I don't know if you want to agree yeah. with that, but what do you think about all the Rangers kind of moves this offseason? Well, obviously, first, it's hard to talk about your biggest rival, you know, being a Devils fan and having to talk uh, positively about the New York Rangers. But obviously, when you look at it, you look at that team and you look and you have to look at it this way. A couple of years ago, they were they, they put out a letter. Uh, Jeff Gordon, the former GM of this team, he put out a letter saying, uh, got to be patient with us. We're trying to rebuild, you know, blah, blah, blah. They never really rebuilt. To me, they retool, which was fine because it's worked out for them. OK, there's nothing wrong with retooling. If you felt like you need to retool. OK, great. And also they've gotten some luck. They moved up to get the second overall pick in 2019. Uh, to, you know, a year change later, they move up to get the number one overall pick in Alexis Lafreniere. There was nothing wrong with luck, and that's what they got. But they gave out big money to Panera. They gave out big money to Jacob Truber, which for the money that they're paying him, he's obviously not the same defenseman that he was in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's still solid. Uh, goaltending. It was tough, I'm sure, to, to have to make that decision to buy out Henrik Lundqvist and, let, and have to force him to go. But you have a very exciting goaltending tandem of Shesterkin and Georgiev, one of the more exciting goaltending, young goaltending tandems in the NHL. Uh, Shesterkin is ready to take on that number one um, that number one spot. And I think that it's go time for him. And I think this is that big year for him. I've never seen a franchise be broken by one player than I saw the Rangers. I still remember watching that game and seeing, you know, Tom Wilson did what he did. Yeah, I mean, obviously it deserved a big reaction, but not in the way that the Rangers took it. It's like two days after it happened, okay, he's fired, he's fired, he's gone, he's gone. And it was like, relax, you're not in the – it's not like you needed to completely tear down your team like that. Mm -hmm. But you said it yourself, Jason, and you're very right. The team looked at it and said, we have so much scoring and so much talent, but we don't have enough grit. We don't have enough physicality. And you need some of that to win – you know, playoff games and win a Stanley Cup, you need to have that. Tampa Bay figured that out over the last two years and look what they were able to accomplish. The Rangers just did too much. 
Barkley Goodrow, fine. But it's six years, three and a half million dollars per year for a guy that's playing on the third line. You're giving out a lot. I would have been okay with you if you had given the same con. I would have been okay if you gave that money to Blake Coleman, who got that money from, from Calgary. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Because Blake Coleman has proven he could be a top six guy. He has proven that. Barkley Goodrow was a bottom six player in San Jose, and he was a bottom six player in Tampa. I don't understand why the Rangers felt like they need to give him that much money for that amount of time. By the way, Sammy Blade just scored against the Devils in this preseason game. So just thought I'd Okay, uh, so yeah, so we, so we talk bad about him and it happens. So there we go. Right. Well, I mean, Sammy Blade's not a bad player. It's just that you gave up Buchnevich and got Sammy Blade in return. So yeah. that was kind of the thing that I said. St. Louis benefits from getting Buchnevich. But from the Rangers' perspective, they also got Ryan Reeves. And I was like, that's hilarious because it was like they clearly are going after Tom. All of this is to go after Tom Wilson. You have to call it like it is. All of this is to fight Tom Wilson uh, on opening night. I mean, that's literally what you're going to see the first game of the season. Um, firing David Quinn. I can sort of understand it, but I felt like he was doing okay. He wasn't terrible. I think he, he deserved at least like, another year. I think I right. think he was he, okay. Yeah, he but... deserved he deserves another year to prove himself in a normal 82 game season. Give him an opportunity, but you upgraded the coaching position by getting Gerard Gallant, a mm-hmm. no nonsense type of guy, a guy that's not afraid to get in your face and demand more and demand more from the refs and obviously getting involved in, in things like that. So I think that worked out. So the Rangers wanted to get tougher. They wanted to get grittier. That's just how the way that they wanted to operate. So I have no problem with that. Um, so, I look at it and I say to myself, the Rangers are more physical. And by the way, Barkley Goodra also just scored. So I'm Let's just keep talking I about might him. Well, yeah, I might as well just go through the whole list and they'll all score tonight. Um, at the end of the day, the Rangers are definitely a team that not only, in my opinion, can compete for a division, but can certainly make a run if they get everything going. If they are a balanced team, like they are possibly on paper, they will be fine. But you do have to wonder to yourself, did they overdo it? With the physicality, are they going to be a slower team? Are they not going to be as quick and as talented as they were last year? We'll see. But I do believe the Rangers are are going to be one of the top four teams in this division, without a doubt. And they're going to be competitive for years to come. Yeah, so we have two more teams to wrap it up here and uh, two teams that are might be the top of this uh, division here. So obviously Carolina Hurricanes, a bunch of jerks that they are. Um <laughs> Made a couple interesting moves in this offseason. So they had excellent goaltending from uh, the rookie. Help me out the name here. Alex. On oh, Thank you. That, that was not going to happen. Who they just decided to uh, give away for nothing. Which Literally is weird. Nothing, which is weird that Jonathan you spent. Bernier, because Bernier didn't even stay in Carolina. He comes to New Jersey. Yeah. So which is really weird how they did that, the goaltending there. And because they spent all these years developing this guy. And he sat in the minors for three years and. They took their time with them, and it turned into let's trade for a second round pick and let Detroit. And it wasn't a big, big contract; I think it was like barely three million dollars. So for two right. years, so I mean, it wasn't like a massive thing. It was very odd. He's but still then, a young player. He's like last year was his rookie year, so he's not going to get. He's not going to demand top dollar right now. Yeah, so it was very odd. So they decided to go with Frederick Anderson and Anti Ranta, who I always like. Anti Ranta, anyway. Um, he's another guy that but everybody he's, but knows. He, yeah, but he but he's a but at this point of his career, he's a very solid backup a guy who could maybe if your goalie gets hurt you can maybe make a run for 10 15 games but overall a backup 
They were in right. the middle of the whole uh, Jesper uh, Kakinemi. That's how I say it because I don't know how to say names. Uh, so obviously they yes, signed him to. Kakinemi is how you. Oh yeah, very yeah, I got you. I always mess up names. That's like my thing. So but they wind up um, giving him a crap ton of money for nothing, just for to spite year. Montreal. Which, mind yep. you, I appreciate the trolling. I'll be honest. I, it's an amazing job by their owner to do that with the signing bonus being twenty dollars too, which I thought was pretty amazing at the end of the day. Yeah. But you you give a first round pick now for a guy that, as of right now, is mm-hmm. probably your third line center at best in. Doesn't look like he's going to develop past that. Mind you, mm-hmm. anybody can get past that and do whatever. They lose Dougie Hamilton. Um, obviously, obviously, redoing right. their, but uh, obviously they're redoing their goaltending. The, the but so is Carolina still this beloved kind of franchise now for all these kind of moves, or are they kind of did they just do these moves and now they're moving in the wrong direction? I think that they've turned um, the wrong way a little bit. Um, I think financially they didn't prepare for the Dougie Hamilton situation to be as difficult as it ended up being. Um, They still have Jakob Slavin, who's still a tremendous defenseman in his own right. They do have Brady Shea, I think, still on the books. So their defense is okay. Um, I think they still have Vincent Trocek, who's always been a solid player Mm -hmm. in his own right. And I've always liked Vincent Trocek. The Kasperi Kakiniemi, I didn't think that it was actually going to happen. I saw him get offer sheet and it was like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, Aho got offer sheeted by Montreal and that didn't happen. So what yeah. makes me, I, I personally believe, nobody's going to believe me, but I personally believe that, yes, the Hurricanes did that despite Montreal for what they did with Aho. I don't think they were prepared for Montreal to be like, okay, you can, you can take them. I think I that they were surprised by that. I agree. And I think that they were like, oh, crap, we weren't prepared for that. And they had to give up, I think, a first and I think a second as first well. And a, first Maybe and a second or first and a third, one of the two, yeah. It was one of those things. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Montreal and Mark Bergevin are laughing to the bank because then they were able to go out and get um, Christian Dvorak from Arizona. Mm-hmm. So definitely who was a better player than Who's a better Yemi player was, than Kaki yeah. Niemi? And Kaki Niemi got a call like it is was pretty bad in the postseason last year, but particularly in the cup final, he was a no-show. Mm-hmm. He was an absolute no-show. And he is not worth the $6 million that you gave him, even if it's for one year. $6 million, that's a lot. That's a lot. And everybody, and I'm sure Carolina's looking at it like, hold on a second. We're willing to give out money, big-time money, to a guy like Kakinami, but we couldn't lock up a guy like Dougie Hamilton long-term. We couldn't keep Alex Nedeljkovic, who was – Making nothing? Like, I don't get that. And you brought in Freddie Anderson. That's fine. If he could stay healthy, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And Auntie Ranta, you know Ranta's going to be solid and back there. You know that. Um, Carolina could still be a team that could finish in the top four. Um, you know, obviously with their head coach, Rob Brindamore, he is an absolute unit. He is a hell of a coach. Um, he's a guy that deserves a lot more credit than I think sometimes people give him. Um, they're a borderline top four team. I think they could finish fifth. Um, I think they could also finish in the top four. But it's going to depend on, is their defense going to take a ma- – is their defense and goaltending going to take a massive hit with losing guys like Nadel- Nadelkovich, like Dougie Hamilton, um, and everything? And is Kotkiniemi Kos- is going to prove that he was worth making? 
taking a flyer on like that. That's those are the question marks from Carolina. But I have trust in Rob Brendan Moore that this is going to be a very annoying Carolina Hurricanes team to face off against. And you got you still have Shvechnikov, you still have him, you still have Tavo Taravainen, so you still have a lot of talent there. This is definitely a team that I think could definitely finish in the top four, and at worst, I think like fifth. Yeah, so it's an interesting kind of moves they did there. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here with the last team, which is a team which a lot of people are picking to possibly win the Metro, is the New York Islanders. So obviously, uh, Lula Amarillo moves over there. Barry Trotz has been there and has uh, doing his Barry Trotz thing, basically playing solid defense with a little bit of scoring here and there, and hopefully you win the game bit. two to one. But he's got some talent there that kind of help out with the scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Barzell and a couple other guys that are there, Bailey, uh, Bolivier, some guys like that. But they go out and add a couple of guys. Obviously, they got Paul Mary last year from you guys. So, yep. um, so they, but they also Travis Zajac, who retired, another uh, mm-hmm. New Jersey Devil. But then they also another former Devil with Nosa Trend here. Uh, Zach Parise uh, signs after getting bought out in Minnesota. That's an interesting move there. They bring in once a former Islander, yep. Zidane Chara. Looks like Anders Lee is healthy finally. Um, they kind of move. They move. Uh, couple guys around they move it's very interesting off season to say the least they kept Zizekas they were able to keep um a lot of money you know, Zizekas, but he everybody yeah. likes him like I early on I thought that was a very he's, he has, he's a fan favorite little, yeah he's a big he's a fan favorite Matt Martin is there I was in Matt Martin mixed up in my head for some reason mm-hmm. but Zizekas is definitely over but better than Matt Martin so mm-hmm. uh, so the Islanders are they your favorite or to win this division or are they kind of one of those teams that we're going to have a former like uh blues head Ken Hitchcock for many years mm-hmm. tremendous regular season coach we got to the playoffs and it seems like we always run out of gas because they're working so hard and during for 82 games mm-hmm. and then the playoffs happen and then they just would run out of steam and they would run yeah. against another team that they find that one team that was better in the west every time it would be the the LA Kings or the Chicago Blackhawks every time during yeah. that years where they alternated to cups the blues would be the one team they would <laughs> if they didn't run against those teams I always thought the Blues had a chance of winning cups some of those years, but right. they would run against right. those teams. So are they going to be a team that's kind of like that, where they're going to have a very good mm-hmm. regular season and then not really make it far in the postseason, or are they bound to break through this season with all these new additions? I think if you look at the last two years and the fact that they've finished, again, two years in a row, losing in the conference finals to Tampa Bay, they've kind of looked at it and they said, what, what are we lacking? Um they're lacking goal scoring. You got to call it like it is. Yes, they have tremendous defense, but they lost game seven on the road. They lost at their own game. They lost two to one. They lost, and Tampa locked it down defensively because a lot of teams know that if you are able to get a couple of goal lead on the Islanders, it, it's a lot harder for them to get to get going scoring wise. Matt Barzell has to take the next step in his career, becoming that dominant star goal scoring player that everybody says that he is. Uh, Anthony Bovillier has to step up. Anders Lee has to come back fully healthy and ready to go. Kyle Palmieri. Hey man, you gave him a lot of money to keep him. You traded assets to get him. You better, you better make sure that this works. You got to get him going. Now you gotta, you gotta do it. So I look at the additions of this team. And I definitely believe that they are uh, the favorites to win the Metropolitan Division. I do believe that they will win the division. I think they are the best team. As far as like the playoffs are concerned, if they can just get a little bit more scoring, right? They just get a little bit more scoring. 
they're going to win that. They're going to win. They, they can definitely do it. They can definitely make that run. Um, they're going to have to run into Tampa. They're going to run into Boston. They're going to run into some other teams. But I think that this could potentially be that year that everything kind of works out the way that it is. Biggest question mark, can they get a little bit more goal-scoring support from their main guys? That's the biggest question mark that I have from this team. Yeah, so Islanders, uh, our friend over Dominic or Lighthouse Hockey, uh, probably very happy how they're going to turn out this year. So we'll see how that goes. So prediction time. So uh, we decided just to go with the top four teams. Uh, if you want to say I mean, in order, I'll let you. you I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you decide. You can roll through all eight. I'll do just the four because obviously I'm just familiar. Just this uh, yep. talk has helped me out quite a bit, but I can, I'll do yeah. my top four. But uh, let's go. With, I'll do my top four. Then we'll do your uh, full eight. We'll do it sure. that way. So my, I still have Islanders having a very good regular season. That's just, that's Barry Trotz hockey. It's just, yep. it's just Ken Hitch. He's basically Ken Hitchcock to the new era. That's all. Uh, I think, I think <laughs> they'll have a very good, they'll have a very good, um, you know, regular season, postseason. We'll see, but they're going to win the division. Just how it is. Yep. Uh, Carolina is my number two. I, I think Frederick Anderson is always so underrated. I think because of the whole Toronto thing. Like you said, if he stays healthy, that would be the key. But I think Ranta being there helps out. Um, mm-hmm. I think Rob Brendan, like you said, tremendous coach. And I think that's what helps them rise to that point under me, number two. Right. So after that, it's kind of like crapshoot to me between I have like four teams that I clearly can't decide. <laughs> um, so I'll just pick just because they've always they've been doing it this and the other teams haven't taken that next step yet. So hopefully they take that step. So I will go with the Washington Capitals as my number three. And my number four, I I am I don't want to make this pick because I got a feeling like we talked about they're on the downslide, but you can't count them out until they're officially done. And that's right. the way I try to do it. So Pittsburgh Penguins are going to squeak in. I mean, we're talking the last couple of games. Uh, right after that, though, I think you're having a, you're having that bunch up for that number four spot, like right mm-hmm. after the number five spot where you're just going to miss the playoffs. And I think it's between the New Jersey Devils, right. I think the Rangers are right there as well. Yep. And honestly, if the goaltending comes through on Philadelphia, if, if, if like Carhart goes back to two years ago, they have a shot at that, but that's, but he has to play that way. Unfortunately. Cause like he said, I don't really like the defense overhaul overall that over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a tough one, but I still see the Philadelphia Flyers are more of my bottom half of that, but I really see the Rangers, uh, and uh, the Devils kind of battling it out as the two up-and-comer teams that are going to be really close to the playoffs this year with the potential to make the step next year because I think, like you said, other teams are going to start to slide off, and I think that's when it opens the door for teams like the Rangers, New Jersey, so on and so forth to make the next step. So that's my little prediction. Yeah. Let's start with that. Neil, why don't you give me your – go your full eight teams. So I guess I'll go like – eight to one just to kind of like do like a whole buildup. So with, with eight, I have Columbus because I just, I have a tough time believing that Columbus has enough pieces to really, really get themselves going. I believe, like I said before, that they are in a rebuild and I think it's, this is kind of the beginning of it. And I think that they just want to, they just kind of want to see what they have, you know, for this year and what they can build upon that and kind of go from there. So I have them there. Um, as far as uh, number seven is concerned, I mean, there's obviously a bunch of teams, but I'm going to put the Philadelphia Flyers for the reasons that you kind of brought up as well. Goaltending. I don't see how, other than Carter Hart, how you think Martin Jones is going to be 
um, going to help you. And even though they did make the defense a little bit better with Ryan Ellis and Keith Yandel, risk alignment is not really going to help as much. And losing Voracek, I think, is going to really hurt this team. And it, I just don't feel like – I feel like that they tried to put a bandage over some other problems and didn't really try to legitimately fix them with uh, with the right um, pieces. That's the way that I look at it. Uh, so I have them at, at uh, number seven. At six, at six, this is tough, but I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Penguins because I do believe that this is the be- – like I said before, this is the beginning of the end for them. And I think that because of the fact that – Crosby and Malkin are going to miss some significant time early on. I think that the Penguins are going to get off to a slow start and they're going to struggle to kind of get back uh, into contention. And maybe by the time they get everything going, it'll be too little too late. I think that's kind of the way. And also goaltending is still a question mark, particularly with Tristan Jari. So um, I have them at six at five at five. This is um, again, this is kind of tough because you really, you you really don't know like what's going to, what's going to transpire here, but uh, I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes. And the reason for that is, is Freddie Anderson in that defense, other than Jakob Slavin. Is it, is it, is this team better than it was last year? No, I don't believe that. I think that they downgrade a little bit. They're losing Dougie Hamilton. is going to be like a huge, huge problem. So that's kind of the way that I look at it. So I think Carolina can potentially make some noise, but I do think that they probably miss out on the playoffs. Um, so am I. I'm at four, right? I think I am. Yep, I'm, thinking I'm, at, I'm at four. So at four, at four, I have the New Jersey Devils. I believe that this team is better, is way better, and they are the most improved team in the division. And even though this is a tough division, I think that with all the pieces that we, we, we put into place and also the guys that we have, I think this is that year that Tom Fitzgerald wants to see this team very much compete for a playoff spot. And I think that they will make that final spot. And I think they'll be like the eighth seed. That's the way I look at it. I think that they are going to compete hard for that spot and they're going to make it. So I have them at number four. At three, I have the um, I have the, the New York Rangers. I think that the Rangers are still very, very talented. I do question how much did they you know, how much emphasis they put on the physicality, but I think it will benefit them um, down the road, especially when they get in the playoffs. And I think with how talented that goaltending tandem is with Shesterkin and Georgiev, I think it's going to definitely carry them. So I think the Rangers are poised to really make that first major step for them as no longer also being in a retooling slash rebuilding phase. And I think that they will end up being uh, a playoff team. The second, uh, in, in second place, I have the Washington Capitals. Um, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Oshi and, and those guys are going to continue to carry this team. Peter Laviolette is going to get the best out of all of these guys. And even though they are on the wrong side, a lot of these guys are on the wrong side of 30. I still think this is a very talented, very competitive Capitals team with very good young goaltending. I think Samsonov's really, really going to shine this year. Vanacek's going to be a solid number two. Um, and I think because of the fact that you have some teams that are on the downward swing, that's going to make it easier for the Capitals, even if they're having a down year, for them to uh, have success in this division. So I have them at number two. And at number one, I don't think it's much of a surprise. I do have New York Islanders. I think by far they have the best overall team. Offense is obviously going to be their big question mark, but I'm not worried about it necessarily in the regular season. It's about once again, the playoffs, can they find a little bit more goal scoring from some of their main guys? If they can do that, this is a team that could very much go on and not only make the cup final, but certainly have the chance to win the Stanley Cup. So that is my prediction for the Metropolitan Division this season. 
Uh, very bold predictions there. So it's an interesting. So it's a minor change in the guard, it looks like. Uh, for from Neil's perspective, I'm still holding on to the old guard until uh, further notice, and let's see. But I think there's definitely a possibility that you're going to start seeing things change over in the Metro. So one last question, which I did not bring up during our Devils preview, uh, is Mackenzie Blackwood going to be an issue this year? I'm glad you brought up that question because a lot of people have been asking me about it. And I talked about it in my previous episode. Look, uh, at the end of the day, the man is entitled to his uh, opinions. He is entitled to his decision, um, whether we like it or not like it. Um, I do believe that it will have an effect if we get to the point where we're a month into the season and he still hasn't done it because it's almost like it's similar, but not really to what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving, where Kyrie Irving is not going to get vaccinated. And he's like, he's a part-time player. Basically he can only play in like a certain amount of games because he mm-hmm. can't play in New York. He can't play in California. He can't play in Canada. And what makes it worse for Blackwood is that he can't play in New York. So there's a bunch of games right there in Buffalo and also on the island and at Madison Square Garden. He can't play in Canada, and that's nine games right there. He might have some trouble in California. And I don't think it's necessarily that Blackwood is against the vaccine. I think it's more that he is worried because he had off-season surgery. I think he's worried that the vaccine will compromise um, his recovery from his surgery. So I think that might be the reason why we haven't gotten a definitive reason as to why he hasn't done it. He says that he hasn't ruled it out, but he hasn't done it yet. And he can't, he can't interact with the team. He has to follow different rules. He has to get dressed in a different locker room. And I feel like at some point he will make the decision um, selflessly to do it for the team, knowing how vital he is to this organization. Um, but I do believe early on it's going to be an issue, especially if he doesn't get vaccinated relatively soon. So that would be kind of my answer to the question. Gotcha. So, yeah, definitely this will be the goal of the future. Uh, obviously, Bernier there is going to at least help, you know, help the team out a little bit there. So you're not relying on, you know, some like run-of-the-mill black backup, you know, obviously. So it's nice that you have yeah. somebody like Bernier who's been a starter in the past. So that will work out. So we'll see what happens there. This is definitely one of the big storylines, not only in New Jersey, but I think in the NHL as well, since uh, obviously there's a handful of players still not vaccinated, and obviously that's a thing. So uh, so we'll wrap it up there. So if you would like to get a hold of uh, myself, the Blues Hockey Podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Blues Hockey NHL. We're also available on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the same thing. It's at Blues Hockey Podcast. Our website is Blues Hockey Podcast dot net and also dot com so tap into one of those and you'll get there and you go to our website and you see all the where the podcast all of them are posted there along with where you can find them at is apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher anchor uh pocket cast amazon music audible yeah you know a lot of stuff so anywhere anywhere you have basically a podcast app you can find us google play all those good stuff so we cover the gamut of any kind of device that you have you can find us so uh, on top of that, let's see, that's there. And you can click on a couple of different tabs there. First tab is the merchandise tab. It's a new merch along with the new uh, new logo that we put out last year. So check that out and put that on, get a, get a shirt. Uh, also, you go one more tab down, you see our sponsors tab. So we have three sponsors here on the show. Uh, first off is DraftKings. Uh, go to DraftKings and use the code THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. And use that and you get a bunch of cool stuff. If you sign up, you get bonuses. And if you already have an account, great. Use that code and you get bonuses every week and use that to bet on, hey, bet on the Devils to make the playoffs this year. 
hey, bet on the Blues to go far as well. Do that as well. Do a bunch of different stuff. Guess what? Right now, it uh, looks like the uh, if I'm doing this, reading this right, it looks like the St. Louis Cardinals are winning in the wild card game. So bet on them to go far in the playoffs as well. So a lot yeah, of I things. Pre- you can... I, I bet on the uh, I bet on the Cardinals, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a uh, you're one of the few during the uh, this little run here. So, hey, so the Cardinals, seventeen wins in a row, will uh, will definitely catch my attention. Yeah, so we'll take that. So they're definitely a good uh, good run by the Cardinals here. So let's see if they keep keep it going with against the Dodgers and Max Scherzer, a mm. a uh, St. Louis product, uh, just up the road here from myself and Baldwin. So he went to mm, Parkway didn't Central. Know that. So. Yeah, so let's see what else we got here. Oh, so two more left. We have, uh, first off, we have Rockstar Taco Shack, which, uh, check them out. Uh, we'll have a big announcement coming with them really, really soon. Uh, they have a new place at the Gaslight Lounge down there off of Shaw, down on the hill. Go check it out there. And also their location in Newtown is almost closed for the season. So check them, go there while you can. Uh, follow them on Facebook, Rockstar Taco Shack. Uh, and finally, Lucky Lola's. Lucky Lola's has a bunch of all their... Uh, there's salapeno sweet heat, their salmon rub, and also their bratwurst, which is now available not only at Kenrick's, also available at Fresh Time stores, which is now all over the place in St. Louis. So uh, definitely check all those out. So now that I got all, all my good stuff out of the way, this is my long spiel. And uh, as Neil can see, I'm getting to the point where I do this off the top of my head now, which is that tells you how long I've been doing it. Right. So uh, before we leave, I want to Neil to share where you could find. Uh, I don't know himself and everywhere you can find the devil state of mind podcast. So yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at devil state on Instagram at devil state of mind and Facebook is also devil state of mind. Um, you can follow me on my personal account uh, on Twitter at T H E N V P S H O W and also on Instagram at N V P Q B 11 um, new episodes for the devil state of mind podcast come out every Monday and Thursday. So I'll we'll have a new podcast episode coming out tomorrow um i'm also the author of a couple of books one is called j-e-t-s pain 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a new york jets fan and also meet the mets mess which talks about the the suffering and, and so much regret of being a new york mets fan and i actually have a third book coming out uh relatively soon it's about a certain hockey team that plays up north uh so you can kind of figure out i feel like from there as to who who i'm talking about but those two books and this third one are on Amazon or will be on Amazon. Both the Jets and Mets books are for the price of 1969. And I think if you're a fan of either one of those teams, you can kind of figure out why I chose those prices, but they're available for hardcover and ebook. Um, and the same thing will be for, for my third book as well. It'll be coming out within the next week. Um, and that's pretty much it. And uh, thank you so much, Jason, for having me on. This was great to talk some devil's hockey metropolitan hockey and looking forward to uh collabing with you more and looking forward to uh an exciting season of hockey just in general it's just great to have a normal hockey season uh back with so much going on new television rights uh you know all-star games outdoor games olympics you know stanley cup playoffs it's going to be a fun season yeah we got a lot of stuff to look forward to especially for blues fans here obviously the streaming stuff so uh real quick i did see this get espn plus uh, if you don't, because oh, yeah. uh, you basically, if you like hockey, $5 not a month, only, it's, it's it, totally worth it. If you don't like, if you, if you, even if you're, if you're a hockey fan, I think that's all the stat yesterday that I think out of the 1300 games, I think almost a thousand of them are going to be on ESPN plus this year. So that's a lot. So if you like hockey, go get that please. And like you said, the Neil said $5 a month, definitely get that. Blues have a lot of stuff to look forward to new look team. 
uh, we have the Winter Classic coming up, but Chris and I will be there, so it'll be nice to. Oh, you actually, you stuff. actually got tickets to the game. We did get tickets to the game, so wow. I got our hotel room. Wait. So we are, uh, we will nice. be freezing our butts off on January first in Minnesota. Ugh. So it'll with be good times. Nice uniforms with those. Yeah, nice so uniforms. we got our jerseys already, so we're ready to go. We're ready to rock and roll. So, like you go. said, really fun season ahead of us. Uh, looking forward to uh, having you on some more. Maybe we have the Devils uh, coming up soon. You know, whenever yeah. they have them on, we'll have you on, and we'll go from there. So. Thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate it, man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. See you guys later.